1: Hey everybody, this is Phil Town.
0: And this is Danielle Town.
1: Welcome to the Invested Podcast. We are spending many, 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 many podcasts in the attempt to invest like Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger and other great investors in what we call the ruler tradition, which started by Ben Graham and went to Buffett and then from him to my teachers and then from me to you through my daughter, Danielle, who's here. And uh, and has been studying with me now for several years on how to invest, and I think it's probably a pretty good time to talk about what's going on in the market right now and what we're doing about it. Yeah, we've think, been Danielle? doing
0: we've been doing our checklist uh, episode series, and as apropos as that is, quite frankly, which it's very apropos to dealing with. Um, a destabilizing event like this coronavirus in the markets. And we definitely want to finish that series, but we obviously had to break in and talk about just what's going on with this news, this crazy insanity drops, life as we know it changing situation. Um, Somebody just forwarded me a YouTube video or, you know, one of those like forwarded videos Somebody, it made me so angry. Somebody saying like, thank you for this coronavirus. Thank you for letting us see what's most important to us. Thank you for letting us discover that the world around us needs to be less polluted, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, yeah, thank you for um, our family members who are ill and dying. Thank you for our paychecks that are not arriving. Thank you for our uncertainty that we'll be able to pay our rent and our mortgages. Like, who, whoever this person is who made this video has no problems coming into their life except that they have to be stuck inside. And I just made me really angry. No. So there's a lot of stuff no. going on. No,
1: this is, this is, we teach people to do this. To do what? To be grateful. No matter what's going on, find something to be thankful, find something to be grateful for and find it a thousand times a day and it'll change you and it'll change the impact you're having on your whole environment. And I think yeah. that's the attempt. Now, I'm obviously you. they ticked you off. But <laughs> to me,
0: it was massively tone deaf, massively you, tone you, deaf. You
1: were not, you were not grateful for their effort to be grateful.
0: I, I was not. No, <laughs> <laughs> I was not grateful for the that, things that they were grateful for. And maybe that's the lesson is that you
1: kind of keep, if you're going to be grateful during a pandemic uh, for the things you can be grateful for, you might want to be grateful secretly. <laughs> maybe <laughs> instead of, thank you for so few less so many less people in the world you know right right tone deaf right tone deaf
0: but and and it felt like it felt very preachy it was very like oh Oh, you're just you're just not noticing all the good parts that are coming out of this
1: i I totally want to get on the coronavirus thing but this is reminding me of a story from (laughs) india when i was over meditating there a million years ago and there was a a teacher that I really like, Marishi Yogi that teaches, you know, the whole uh, transcendental meditation thing. And and he said there's this there's this famous guru who is famous for never thinking anything was bad. And these people would try to get him into situations where he would at least admit that there's some crap in the world, man. Hmm. And he wouldn't ever, it's like he was he would his eyes didn't see it. And so he was lured, and just as an example, he was lured into an alley where a cat had been smashed by a truck. Aww. And and uh, and all he could say was, what a beautiful, beautiful cat, all splattered by the truck. And Maharishi's point was that knowledge is structured in consciousness. How you see the world is deeply structured in in your nervous system and how, you know, it's almost like you have a certain colored glasses on and you can only see the world red or you can only see the world green and enlightened people take the glasses off. They've, they've removed that filter to the world and see only reality is the idea. Right. And from Marishi's perspective, reality is that everything is perfect all the time. It's just our perception and limitations on, who we are as individuals that give us a feeling that we have a loss or give us a feeling that we're in danger. And it's really hard to understand that from where we're sitting. I'm telling you, man, you, you, you know, you can, you can talk about that. Oh, what a beautiful cat all day long. But if you're in danger and your family's in danger and people, you know, are deeply ill or dying. And I mean, it just doesn't feel like everything's okay but i i get where that person may be kind of enlightened person maybe they just really see the world as perfect you know that i'll give give a chance to be that way
0: i i appreciate your perspective and i hope so um i as opposed
1: to a mood making maniac who can't see reality
0: (sighs) yeah i mean my my impression was that they're not being touched in a in a difficult way by this, and there are a lot of people who are not being touched to have, you know, enough money to pay for their house. As in their
1: sociopaths or something.
0: No, 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 no. As in, like, they have enough money to pay for their house. They oh. have enough money to buy their food. Being inside is annoying, but nobody in their family is ill. They're not ill. Like, they're not really. They can work from home. Like, it's mostly just annoying.
1: So and if that person sends you an email now and says, you know two members of my family died and my sister's very ill and we don't have any money. And I am trying to be positive about this. You're going to feel really bad about this.
0: No, I feel like, Oh, okay. Then I took, your video was not as condescending as it came off,
1: but it it came
0: off condescendingly. What do
1: you say we move Um, on? But
0: what I think is to your point about being grateful yeah, we're we're gonna move on with this. To your point about being grateful, which I I, as you know, totally love. I think for me, and I'd be curious about your personal experience. For me, what I've been grateful for in the last few weeks is is not really any of that stuff. That like sort of, oh, I'm not really being affected by this stuff. What I've been grateful for is, frankly, my investing practice and how in the midst of In my glasses, with my glasses on, um, in the midst of a lot of really bad stuff and suffering, at least there's one bright spot, at least instead of looking at these market crashes um, and the volatility and going like, oh, my God, this is so scary. The world is so frightening, which is absolutely what I would have been thinking 5 years ago if this had happened 5 years ago before I started learning investing instead of looking at it with those thoughts I'm looking at it and thinking like wow this is a great opportunity I have perspective on what's happening I'm able to see a way out of this and that's what I'm massively hugely enormously grateful for Almost every moment of every day, and remind myself of it before I go to sleep at night.
1: So right, that's really thanks to you, Dad. To, really to so really, Dad, oh. I'm
0: grateful to you.
1: Oh, honey. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Well, I'm
0: now tell I'm me so what you're grateful for.
1: That I'm very grateful you said that. That's. that's- <laughs> That's awesome. (laughs) That's not what I I meant. (laughs) I thought we were going right to Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett with that gratefulness because they, they really gave it to us in a way that I could understand. I, I read Ben Graham's stuff and it wasn't the same as, as Warren explanations. And
0: no.
1: And so taking that to heart has obviously changed our lives and dramatically. And now we can both sit here and say, thank you Lord for Warren Buffett. And his incredible view of the world and may he live 20 more years, please. So he can continue to be a great model for us because I'll tell you, you know, you, you go to cash when I did and and you have a, you know, we are we've been at 75% cash now for almost two years. You know, it's just like, you know, maybe half cash to 75% cash. And, um, just following Warren straight into the markets and understanding we got to find wonderful businesses that are on sale and we can't find any Mm -hmm. as these markets get higher and higher. And I'm reminded that you know people say you can't time the markets and we fully agree you can't time the markets. And yet, Buffett and investors like that seem, we, we have a pretty good track record of timing the markets, right? 2007, 2009, getting back in. And now out early on this one. And it's not because we're trying to figure out what the market's gonna do. It's we're just pricing things. And so if you go to garage sales and you can't find anything on sale, you're not timing the garage sales. You just are looking at price and price is keeping you out of the market. And the same thing's happening here. Price was keeping us out of the market and now price is bringing us back in.
0: So is this an event? Does this qualify (laughs) from PBT's perspective as an event?
1: What do you think?
0: For me, it's an event. I'm not going to speak for you. For me, under Danielle Town's perspective, this is an event for sure. This is the event. This is, as they keep saying, the big one. This might be the big one. It also might totally turn around. I keep reminding myself that I'm not a market timer and that's a really wonderful place to be. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Um, But yeah, so far, this is an event. And well, not so. It is no matter what. And Um, the only question is how long it's going to be for me. What do you think?
1: Oh yeah. It's an event and, um, the federal government in the United States and probably most governments everywhere are doing everything they can to offset the impact of this on the economy as they shut down the economy intentionally. Never seen this before and are certainly not in our American history, Mm -hmm. um, may have been other times with huge, but even the flu in uh, 1918 didn't shut the economy down. No, um, They just went, went on. Right. And the market dropped about 55% and recovered quickly. And the next thing you know, you're in the you know roaring twenties. So um, I think that we're going to have less of an impact on this and the immediate impact, because if they stop the insanity in the Senate in the United States and, you know, where, both sides are playing politics, uh, to get their favorite things in or make the other guys look bad or whatever. Right. And they're not getting this done. And as a result, the market's dropping another thousand points right now. Um, we should say
0: we're recording this on Monday, March, what date is it? March 23rd, which we don't usually say when we record, but we're going to say that today because the news changes every single day. So we are, um, we're doing this uh, in the morning of March 23rd US
1: time. So this, uh, the, there's a high degree of likelihood that the American people will rise up in, in a bloody screaming mass at, at the Congress if they don't get this done immediately. And what by that what I mean is they are going to pay people's wages and they are going to do it for as long as it takes and um, and try to preserve the economy and they're going to backstop companies with with loans you don't have to repay if you don't lay anybody off, so that you're you, you don't have to borrow money and then have to pay it back, which is going to make you bankrupt anyway. Um, you, you, you the so the government's jumping in with last I heard something like a six trillion dollar package here, um, which is rather large when you consider that the entire stock market is about twenty five. Well, right now it's running about twenty five trillion. So this is a huge, huge deal, and if they get yeah. it done, um, there's a pretty good chance we're going to see the stock market rally on this, and shoot upward uh, as it as it starts to as people start to be comfortable to put their money back in the market, knowing that they're going to have money. Right now, what's going on? And I'm sure as you were, everybody's trying to get to cash. They're liquidating stuff to get to cash. They're liquidating stocks. So let's
0: say what that means in real life. They're trying to sell stocks. Right. Yeah,
1: and and, any and other there's no and you in you order sell. to
0: sell a stock, you have to have a buyer on the other end, yes. and buyers are in short supply these days.
1: Yes, I'm wondering who's buying at all. Yeah. Right so now. what
0: that means when it comes to liquidity is you want to sell and you want to sell and you want to sell, sell and there's nobody to buy it on the other end. So in order to sell, you keep dropping your price and dropping your price and dropping your price, and that's how these prices go down in such dramatic fashion.
1: There's a there's this idea that in uh, in Wall Street, we don't invest like Wall Street does, but there's an idea in Wall Street that you've made money over the last many, many decades by buying the bounce, by buying the dip, I guess is what they say. Mm-hmm. So the market's dipping down and then and, and you buy the dip. And I think that's actually who's going in and buying these funds. are. They They're all long funds, meaning they're all betting that the market's going to go up and they can't just sit in cash. They... They don't have permission to do that, which is what you and I can do and all our listeners can do. And Mm -hmm. Warren Buffett has permission to do that from from his own uh, position in Berkshire Hathaway. But very few fund managers have permission to do that. They can't. And so as this market's coming down, they're aggressively selling one kind of thing because they're already invested and buying another kind of thing and trying to shore it up. Um, They're trying to salvage
0: their short-term returns, basically. So sell one thing that's dropped a bunch, but try to make the money back by buying something else that's going to go up, like Zoom has gone up.
1: Zoom has gone up. (laughs) Kroger's has gone up, Yeah, right? Grocery stores. I mean, what's the impact? How long will the impact of this be on grocery stores who are selling out of everything they have? Oh, well, three months. Well, until they restock sufficiently. And then, you know, people are going to stop buying prepping food. And that's the end of that. And then they'll move out of the grocery stores and they'll move into something else. They're, they're, they don't have a long-term view, these mm-hmm. guys. They claim mm-hmm. they do, but they don't. Mm-hmm. And so that's what's going on in the market right now. And I, I thought maybe we should talk a little bit about what are we doing. Let's. Okay. So first, the key to being able, and we've talked about this so many times, you guys, the key to being able to, uh, to okay so I'll, let me start with this when there's an economic storm like this and this is an economic storm being created by the need to shelter in place to slow down the spread of this virus and so in an economic storm there's there's rain and Warren Buffett said that that it rains gold for short periods of time <laughs> it rains gold Yes, and he did you say must that. go outside with a bucket not a thimble, Mm -hmm. right? And so we've been preparing our listeners to go outside with a bucket. When the storm hits, we don't know when it's going to hit. We don't know what's going to trigger it. We just know that the, the economy moves in, 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 in waves. It fluctuates. Ben Graham has been saying that for 90 years. And when it fluctuates down through some event, um, then we are a buyer. And when it fluctuates up, then ultimately we're a seller when it gets too high. And so it's been a seller. We've been wanting to be sellers now for two years and it just keeps going up against all common sense and history. And part of that is just because the federal reserve has driven it there with low interest rates. All right. So now we, we have the lowest interest rates. They've dropped interest rates to zero and the stock market's gone down like a brick, which means we're at the zero bound. I mean, this particular, monetary policy no longer has the effect that they wanted it to have people don't care that interest rates are zero because they don't want debt what they want is cash
0: yeah there's also nowhere else for it to go so they look at that incentive of like, oh, interest rates are lower, and they see things could still be getting a lot worse in the future, and the Fed no longer has that particular weapon in its arsenal. And I think that's scary to a lot of investors, a lot of short-term investors.
1: Right. So, really what, we're now, investors. <laughs> what we're doing now kind of is, is influenced greatly by what may come in the future. And what may come in the future could could be a gentle landing from this or it could be a crash. And so let's think about the crash side of this for a second. The Federal Reserve has now put interest rates at zero and that means if you lend people money, you get zero. You get your money back someday. Now the reason people pay an interest rate when they borrow money and the reason people demand one when they lend it is because there's some risk. You might not get paid back. Mm-hmm. So you've got to get more than your money back in order to justify taking the risk. Now, since the federal government has a guaranteed printing press capability, they can print money and they're guaranteed to give you your money back. So the risk there is just what's the value of the money, not whether you're going to get it back. Okay. But the value of the money is always a risk for anything. So that's always there for every lender, but the federal government can print money and give it back to you. So they're the zero they're considered risk-free. So a federal government loan is a T bill or treasury note. Um, and that's free uh, risk-free. Okay. Now risk-free is at zero. All right. So that's, and maybe go negative. You may, they may charge you to give them your money next, next year. Uh, they're charging you to give them your money now in Germany and several other countries, uh, negative interest rates. And so, um, what I'm concerned about where we may be going is that a kind of unlimited willingness to pour money into the economy, which is necessary now. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we don't do it. We do do it. We have to do it to, or we won't have an economy and we'll be in a depression in a year. So they have to do it. Total agreement here, massively, total agreement here as much as they need, they do, but it's pouring trillions of dollars. It's printing money, pouring trillions and trillions of dollars into the economy. That weren't there before, mm-hmm. and to this point, that hasn't had much impact because the last time they did it ten years ago, the economy had trillions wiped out of it from the loss on bonds. So they were basically filling a hole. Today we've got a hot economy. Uh, you know, labor is three percent unemployment. I mean, everybody's doing well. I don't think they, I think Trump's right. The economy's probably never done better in history than it's doing right now. And now we're going to throw in $6 trillion or more. And that may have an impact that the previous flushes of capital into the system haven't had. If it does, the impact will be inflationary. All right. Inflationary impact this time around. And what that means is that when you're lending money, you want a higher interest rate because money value is going down noticeably over time. So I need to get a higher interest rate in order that I not only get my money back and my risk premium for giving you my money, because you may not pay me back, but I also need enough to keep ahead of the inflation rate. Now, this can get pretty hairy. Back Wait a in the second. 70s. Now, you're okay. saying
0: you need enough money to get ahead of the inflation. What does that mean?
1: Well, if I lend you $100, um, I need an... I need a, Interest rate, you need to pay me. Oh,
0: you need an interest rate that's yeah. ahead of the inflation. Okay, got right. it.
1: So let's just put some numbers on it. Let's say I need at least 6%. Now you're, you're a very good risk, but I you're still, you know, you're human. So there's always a risk, right? So I need 6% for that. Um, and then I need some more if inflation is at 3%. So I need nine. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're a bad risk, I need 10% or more. Or maybe I won't even make the loan. And if inflation is running ten percent, then I need twenty. And that sounds like a lot because a lot of you have never been around an environment where we were at twenty. I haven't. Oh yes, you have. You were just a baby.
0: Yeah, but I mean, you know, I don't <laughs> count that. <laughs> Excuse but me you for were not a counting teeny that. Little
1: thing. And we were at in a real estate market in San Diego, where you were born, that was at fourteen percent mortgages.
0: Yeah. I remember you telling me that. I, I cannot even head around that one. Yeah, it's not, I can't really.
1: People were still buying houses, right? Yeah. But if you could buy a house for, you know, a million dollars with a 4% loan, you're paying $40,000 a year of interest. When that goes to 10%, you're paying a hundred thousand dollars of interest.
0: And all of a sudden, Housing people
1: prices drop. Flatten at best, Or flatten, right? yeah. Flatten or go down. So this interest rate thing is a really interesting. And, and if people start to sense that inflation is taking off, then interest rates go up. And in the 70s, inflation took off because we were trying to do what's in classical economics called guns and butter, meaning we were doing social programs in the United States through the great society programs Lyndon Johnson put into place to level the playing field for many Americans while we were pursuing war in Vietnam. And this is called guns and butter, and it doesn't work. You, you no, no society has enough money to conduct a huge war and create huge social welfare programs all at the same time. This is what made Russia go broke in the 1980s when Reagan ramped up our, our defense budget and Russia tried to, or Soviet Union, tried to ramp up with him, and they just didn't have a big enough economy to do it. And you know, 15 years later they were, they were gone. So it's very important to know that there are limits to what we can do in terms of just printing money without having an impact on all of that. And I think we're right there where this next round could do that. And I think that's what I'm thinking about now as I'm looking into the future. So that being the case, what do we buy, right? Yeah,
0: I just want to say on the interest rate thing, and I don't have exact numbers in front of me, but high-yield corporate bonds are up somewhere around 8% at this point. There's a huge disparity between um, high-yield corporate bonds and the treasury bond rate. Now why, and that, why would that happen? It's because of that risk that you were just talking about.
1: Yes, the risk that they, well, it's the risk in this case that they go broke. Exactly. Right. It's the
0: risk that the company won't be able to pay back that bond at right. all. Um, so you whereas to really treasury see it. bond yeah you're starting to really see it and um and I haven't seen that spread since I've ever since I've been an investor since I've ever heard of such a thing um right so yeah that's now, here's,
1: pretty here's here's how wild. this goes here's how this song goes <laughs> As we've we've been here before a couple of times in history and the way it goes is that um interest People are afraid they won't get their money back. They're afraid that businesses will fail or they're and or they're afraid that inflation is taking off. And so they demand more. And that demand ultimately will reach the federal uh, tax, the, the, the federal, I want to say Federal Reserve, but it's really just the Treasury, which is borrowing money to support all of the things we do in the U.S. government. So they're borrowing money. Right now they're borrowing money at zero. Okay, basically zero. Mm-hmm. But that won't last in an inflationary environment because no one will lend it to them, all right? Japan has been getting away with this for a long time because the Japanese are really inveterate savers as a as a culture and they save by buying government bonds. And so the money flow goes in there. Americans are not quite that patriotic and will look for other places to get yield and we'll buy other kinds of bonds from other kinds of places. And the United States government's going to have to compete. Now here comes the real tough part is that as interest rates rise, the budget of the federal government gets soaked up by having to pay the interest rates. And so the yeah. federal government needs to get more money. Where do they get more money? They have to tax so and all of a first, sudden
0: all the tax holidays that they're saying are happening right now and right. all the money that they're handing out to people who are losing their jobs and therefore not having income and not going to have income on which to pay taxes it, the tax revenue goes away
1: well they're this is where you start to have social issues start to start to climb into this this nightmare and, and so the people who don't have money are going to demand through their representatives that the rich people pay. And so taxes will rise dramatically on wealth. Uh, Elizabeth Warren was already floating a wealth tax, which we've never had in the history of the country, where, okay, you've got all this wealth, we're just gonna take a, a chunk of it right now. You know, sorry about that. We're putting a gun at your head and we're taking your money. And so that is on the book, on the table as well as increases in taxes to 60, 70, 80% on uh, on wealthy people. And that will all come full circle here if inflation starts to take off. They're going to need more money and they're going after the rich people first. Unfortunately, the rich people don't have enough. You can take all of it and you wouldn't be able to pay what we owe. So this, and this is the real desperate scenario okay this isn't necessarily going to happen but you need to know this is where it can go i think it's good to talk
0: about the macro future possibilities to have a sense of what the what the variance is and what could happen here because people are talking a lot about like as you mentioned buying the dip and i think it's important to realize all the different options that could happen
1: yep and so down the road what you know we're talking two years three years something like that the pressure of social unrest starts to become extreme. Um, This is how demagogues get elected. This is how radical uh, left and right wing people get elected. This is how Hitler got elected in Germany. This is how Mussolini conducted affairs in, in Italy. Um, This is how FDR got elected in America. A radical guy like that. And, you know, in, in 1930 America, he was radical in his ideas. And, um, and so the social unrest climbs, um, and we start to see more and more unemployment. And even Steve Mnuchin, who is obviously, you know, supporting the president, he's the treasurer of the United States, is saying that if we don't get this together right away, a year and a half from now, we will have 20% unemployment, which means we're in a depression, right? Mm-hmm. And so social unrest rises. And when social unrest rises worldwide, you have war. That's That's how that starts. And so, um, this is a really desperate situation we're in right now that can lead to some really, really serious problems down the road. And uh, we are going to be thinking now, I think over the next couple podcasts about what is the responsible thing for us to do for our families, for our country, for, you know, our culture, for all of these things. What is, what are the right steps to take now that will, benefit all the levels of our society and that's what we want to do right we don't want to just go sit in a cave someplace and pretend this isn't happening around us we want to participate in making this better and as investors even small investors pooled together we have 85 percent of the money in the stock market we we are the stock market and right now that money is being invested by people who don't necessarily share our values don't necessarily share our desires, and are definitely operating on a a strategy that is catastrophic in this kind of a market, in my opinion. So I think right now you is know, a really good time to really start figuring this out.
0: Yeah, I have a counterpoint to your scenario of direness. But before I say that, I want to say that actually, you know, and I think I've mentioned this already on the podcast, there's been a number of articles, particularly in the wall street journal. Cause I read that one regularly about small investors, about individual investors, um, not selling and staying in the market and writing it down and, or buying as good companies are available for lower prices. And I've been really impressed that this, the press is, acknowledging it and putting it out there really publicly and that it's a big enough wave of those of us doing that, that, um, that it's noticed by such a huge newspaper and I'm sure it's in other newspapers as well. So I've been really joyful to read those stories and, and see that we are becoming so much more of a cadre of people investing our own money. That's so good. Yeah. I think it's, it's just, it's so exciting because when we started this out, nobody was saying those things uh, in, you know, international newspapers. So and it's pretty it comes, cool. I
1: think, I think when, when you have these kinds of problems, you know, people will rise and, and improve themselves in, in environments where they otherwise were complacent and everything's going fine. Why don't you know, why yeah. would I worry about it? But yeah. now, now they're definitely worrying about it down markets down 35% or so right now. Um, obviously, everybody wishes they had gone to cash, but those who did um, and are following us along on the podcast, <laughs> high five. That's
0: my high five. <laughs> high five. Um, <laughs> are, now,
1: are now stepping in to buy companies, and this is a yeah. huge social service, you guys. We we really need to understand how important it is that there are people with money who believe in the system and are ready to invest. They're They're going out with a bucket, as Buffett says, to catch the raindrops and imagine if nobody would catch them, the market just keeps going down until everything's wiped out. So somebody has to have the the ability, both financial and th- with knowledge, to step out and start catching those raindrops at some point. And the question is which raindrops and yeah. when. Right?
0: Yeah, I think I, you're right because there are people who would catch those raindrops, right? Like the professional Wall Street Investors, as we started out this episode saying, are trying to buy everything they can, but they're going to go and buy everything they can and people who buy ETFs or the index are buying all the companies and they're not discriminating between those companies that are well-run, good companies ready to weather a crisis like this and the companies that are filled with debt and maybe not going to come out of this. And I think what we do that's so exciting is We are only going to support those companies that are going to, I mean, obviously none of us have a crystal ball, but that are hopefully going to make it out of this crisis, that are going to do better because of it, and that are going to be good citizens in our new, frankly, I think a completely new world going forward. And and I just think that's super cool to be part of that. Um, I I also wanted to make the point that we don't know what's going to happen. And I think the dire situation that you describe um, is very real. I also think that news could come out tomorrow or an hour from now (laughs) after we finish this and say something that completely changes the whole situation. And um, that would be great, frankly. And so the market would respond to that. And we don't know when that's going to happen or how it's going to happen. Um and so I think what what keeps me tethered with those both of those extremely disparate views on what could happen is that I'm not timing it. I'm not trying to guess what's going to happen. I'm just looking for companies at great prices and Um, you know, there is always that little voice in the back of my head going like, well, it could go lower. It could go lower. Like, don't buy it right now. It could go lower. But I try to ignore that voice because it'll just make me crazy. And, um, and I did buy a company, oh God, last week or the week before. I can't remember. And now it is lower, and I just looked at it right before we recorded this. And actually, instead of feeling annoyed, I just felt happiness that it's lower because it's a great company, and I would like to own more of it. And that's that's the experience that I want to have with this.
1: So be- before we before we wrap up wrap up today, I, I do want to give you some guidelines here because we won't be back for a few days um, to help with you know where to go from here. But here's here's just a few guidelines. If you don't mind, Danielle, you think it'd be all right.
0: Yeah, what are you talking about?
1: Okay, well, first off, I think you want to start looking, uh, well, these are guidelines we've been telling you guys for years, but you want companies with no debt, all right? So ah, so okay. just if we're just starting to do this, scratch everything off that has debt and just focus on companies that have almost no debt or no debt. And second, you want to be focused on companies that did well I mean, the types of companies, the industries that did well in the last depression, it mm. would be a clue, I think, for you to start looking what kinds of businesses did well in the last depression.
0: When you say last depression, do you mean 1929 or do you yeah. mean the great recession?
1: No, the la-
0: 1929. So we, that
1: would we, rule out any, <laughs> <We're on laughs> any <track>
0: technology for- <laughs> companies of any right.
1: kind. But you That's- have So You have to look at what? Right. And just use your heads, right? There's obviously we're, we're jumping on zoom right now. Right. So (laughs) I wish it would go down. I'd love to buy it, but it's so expensive. Right. So obviously companies like Amazon are going to do magnificent in this new future and they've already done magnificently and everybody's pricing them like that already, but they have come down a lot. I, maybe we could find a way into Amazon. I don't know. I hope so. I'd love to. It
0: hasn't really come down.
1: It hasn't come down that much, but Ideally, we could get something like that. But in addition, there's a lot of other companies, the types of which did well, like look at the small luxury market, small luxuries, right? I mean, I remember so much in the early 50s when I was a little kid, it was a luxury to get a Coca-Cola instead of, you know, just some generic Coke or an RC or something like that. A Coca-Cola was a luxury. Um, Makeup was a luxury a movie was a luxury and and industries like that look at today's version of those kinds of things and see what's out there and as a as a way to kind of start that conversation up for next week and then again no debt you you got to focus on companies with no debt and a lot of free cash flow businesses with a lot of free cash flow and then the third thing is if it is a wonderful business as you know it has a big moat and that moat if it's real, will allow it to raise its prices with inflation, and that's the third mm. key. So mm. no debt, big moat company that can raise prices with inflation, and lots of free cash flow. That's it That's for a me nice. Today.
0: That's a nice point, let's end on that. So everybody, stay safe, stay six feet away from people, um, and cover your mouth if you cough.
1: Right Have on, a good be day. Be safe, be well, and uh, we'll see you next week. Time to, Thanks everybody. Time to, time to go play. <laughs>
0: enjoy your practice. <laughs> good luck to us all. <laughs> Talk to you next week. And by the way, we are both feeling good today. So let's be grateful for that.
1: Yeah, for sure. Thanks, for everybody. Bye. Bye. Hi, guys. Thanks for listening to invested. If you enjoyed this episode and you want more information, including show notes and more episodes, visit us at investedpodcast.com. There's a special offer waiting for our podcast listeners to attend my three-day investing workshop absolutely free. So just head to InvestedPodcast.com. Everything discussed on this podcast is either my opinion or Danielle's opinion and is not to be taken as investing advice because I am not your investment advisor, nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. This podcast is for your entertainment and education only, and I hope you enjoyed it.